Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Dan Ugumbi Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the only podcast dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the upcoming prelims of UFC fight cards. This weekend, the UFC heads to Newark, New Jersey for UFC on ESPN 5, Covington versus Lawler. It is going to be a banger of a card, and of course, if you are a follower of the show, you know we are only talking about the prelim portion of that card. Now, if you're new to the show, you might be asking yourself, why not talk about Covington Lawler? Why not talk about Clay Guida versus Jim Miller in a banger of a co-main event? And the reason is really simple, is that we think there's lots of analysts out there that break down the main events for you. We think there's lots of analysts out there break down the co-main events and lots of the main card for you. You can head on over to Heavy Hands if that's really your thing. But there's not a lot of people breaking down the prelims, and that's why we're here. It's because we think there's a lot of value on the prelims, whether you're betting or whether you're doing daily fantasy sports, and we want to give you a leg up on the competition. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, we want to tell you about our exclusive sponsor, which is BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is giving you a free contest this weekend for a $20 Amazon gift card. All you got to go is sign up for bsmma.com and then use contest code PRELIM10. P-R-E-L-I-M, the number one, the number zero. PRELIM10 is going to get you a free contest for 20 bucks there. Now, the really cool thing about bsmma.com is they are not like those other daily fantasy sports sites. Those daily fantasy sports sites, they focus on golf and baseball and football and every other sport bsmma.com is all about MMA, which is why you get a contest that is more tailored to the MMA fan. We don't have to worry about salary caps anymore. We certainly don't have to worry about whether or not you're losing because your guy didn't land enough kicks or didn't get a knockout in the first four minutes. No, no, no. Instead, all you're going to do is you're going to pick five winners, the methods of which they win by, in the round in which they win it. And then you're going to watch your point totals rack up, and maybe you take home that $20 Amazon gift card in the Prelim 10 contest. But you're going to have to go over to bsmma.com and make your picks today. And to help you out with those picks over on bsmma.com, I have enlisted in the help of a savvy co-host. Today I am joined by... Jason Floyd from the MMA Report Podcast. Jason, thanks for coming on. Oh, appreciate the time, man. Awesome. So, as you guys know, we do this in three five-minute rounds, so let's start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Antonina Shevchenko versus Lucy Pudilova. So, Shevchenko, she's one and one in the UFC. She beat Yi Jian Kim, and she recently lost to Roxanne Modafari in Russia. Uh, Pudilova's 0-1 since moving down to flyweight. She got beat by Liz Carmouche. Uh, she was kind of an outsized 135er. Um, while she was there, she also beat Yi Jian Kim. So, that, that you know, they have a common opponent there. Now, obviously... We're looking towards having a striking fight here, right? Shevchenko loves to kickbox. Pudilova likes to kickbox. Who do you like here better on their feet? I would go with Shevchenko in this one. I, I think the interesting part of this fight will be is how does she bounce back after that split decision loss against Roxanne Montefiore? I just think at that time may have been a little bit too much of a step up in competition. I do feel that this is kind of that classic matchup that the UFC puts together where there's a clear A side of the fight mm-hmm. and there's a clear B side of the fight. The A side of the fight is the fire that they, they believe they can build on. To me, that's Shevchenko. I think they put her in the spot that believes she can get a win and uh, I, I like her in this fight. Yeah, I, I think I like her in this fight too, especially because of that stand-up. I, I just have this question in the back of my mind though, right? Like Pudilova, 
went toe-to-toe with with the elbow queen Lena Landsberg. She's had like some absolute brawls at 35. Do you think there's any chance that she watches that Roxanne Modafari fight and is like, I might be able to take this girl down? You would think there's a there's a coach somewhere in her ear that is saying that, but I, I think that ultimately uh, the fighters' DNA of who they are. I mean, I, I think about what we saw on, on Saturday night UFC 240 with Jeff Neal, where he kind of went into that brawl mode where it, it got in there. So I think the smart aspect would be for her to try to get this fight to the ground because of of what we've seen with Shevchenko. But I think ultimately the fight just plays out in the feet, um, and I think it, it it likely probably goes off 15 minutes but the stoppage comes i think it's probably you know late second early third yeah i, I sort of agree with you on that too if, if i'm making an official pick here i'm definitely going with antonina shevchenko i'm going by three round decision because i've just seen pudelova take such incredible shots so I, I don't imagine she could get out of there if you had to put an official pick on there what are you going with uh shevchenko by decision all right, there you have it. So that's the first one. Next one we're going to talk about in this first round is Mickey Gall versus Salim Tuahari. So Mickey Gall, 4-2 and two in the UFC. He's got wins over CM Punk, Super Sage Northcutt, Mike Jackson, and George Sullivan. Not exactly a who's who of that division. He's got losses uh, to Randy Brown and Diego Sanchez, which uh, no shame in that one. So kind of hard to tell back and forth that way. Tuahari is, is 0-2, though, in the UFC. The losses come to Kita Nakamura and Warley Alves, both by decision. Now, if you're coaching Mickey Gall through this fight, what's your game plan for Salim Duari? Well, I think first off, the part of the coaching, I think it's got to be a little bit of psychological with Mickey Gall because obviously, you know, just, uh, you know, not a great fight uh, against Diego Sanchez. And he's a guy that when he was brought in, I remember talking to people that had trained with him down at, at American Top Team when he went down there at one point, and they said, you can see all the talent. It's just he's very green, and I think this guy's just a very much of a developing fighter. Um, I, I think for Salim, I would say pressure, pressure. Got, got to be the guy coming forward. Don't allow Mickey to be the guy that continues to take that step in. You know, put, force Mickey to be on his heels. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that entirely too, especially too in, in like the clinch and like pressed up against the cage. Because if you look at the two guys who beat Mickey Gall in Diego Sanchez and Randy Brown, they're two guys who not necessarily wrestle a little bit. I guess they both wrestle a little bit too, but like they're the types of guys who pressure forward and aren't afraid to like clinch you up against the cage and make it dirty. If you look at the guys who he beat, you know, like, Mike, you know, we can, we can ignore Mike Jackson and CM Punk, but but Sage Northcutt likes to keep it at a distance. And if it closes the distance, it was on Mickey Gall's terms. Sort of similar with George Sullivan. I think Mickey Gall needs to be the one who makes the choice of whether or not this goes to the ground or stays on the feet. I think he's probably got a good chance of doing this. Uh, you know, you mentioned before that the last fight seemed like there was one with an A side and a B side. This sort of seems similar, right? Like, Salim Tuahari going 0-2 in the UFC, would he have gotten another chance if he wasn't fighting somebody like Mickey Gall? Oh, totally. And the fact that Mickey Gall's fighting in New Jersey, where, mm-hmm. you know, he's from, I mean, it's clearly, I think, I think the UFC, they they see the abilities in Mickey Gall. It's just, I think it's kind of unfortunate for him that he got thrust into this the way he did, you know, when the UFC was trying to find uh, an opponent for CM Punk, because, you know, one of the things I always say, you can't be a developing fighter 
in the UFC. Obviously, you're going to get better as time goes on, but I mean, you're talking about his second pro fights in the UFC. Yes, it was against Mike Jack, his, Mike Jackson, his third fights against CM Punk, but you know, it, it's just the UFC has been, I think, been trying to how can we in a way, use a Scott Co- Scott Coker mindset of how do I slow build a guy? How do I allow a guy to develop his skills before we start throwing him into the deep end? Yeah, and I think that this is a better fight than that than Diego Sanchez or Randy Brown, who are both freaking killers in that division anyway, especially Randy Brown as of late. So uh, officially, I'm going to go with Mickey Gall by, I'm going to say first round submission. I think he gets him out of there early and with the good submission skills. How about you? Yeah, I like that pick. I I like first-round submission for Mickey. All right, and that does it with our first five minutes. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we will be right back with round number two. So the best part about watching fights for me has always been watching them with all my friends around. You get a couple of pizzas, have a couple of beverages. Everybody's watching the fights But when you're doing that, you want to prove to your friends that you know more about the fights than they do. And the best way to do that is by going to BSMMA.com and taking advantage of their Create a Contest option. Their Create a Contest option allows you to tailor it to however many people you want to get in it. You can have a ton of people in it. You can have a few people in it. You could also set different wager limits, right? Like you can put a whole bunch on it. You can make it a free contest just so you can prove to them that you know more than them. But whatever it is you want to do, I suggest using BSMMA.com because they actually have the daily fantasy sports that can prove that you know more, right? Those other guys are all focused on, you know, how many punches somebody's landing. That's not knowing more about MMA. Knowing more about MMA is picking winners and how they win. So you can do that at BSMMA.com. Invite your friends. And we are back with round number two. Let's put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to talk first in this round about flyweights. That's right. Flyweights are back in the UFC. And we got Jordan Espinoza versus Matt Schnell. Espinoza, 1-0 in the UFC. He got a decision win over Eric Shelton. But he did also win twice on the Contender Series. And we got Matt Danger Schnell, who is very quietly on a three-fight win streak with a win over Marco Beltran. Uh, Nauke in a way and a win at Bantamweight over Luis Smolka. So now Espinosa in his debut did not face a takedown from Eric Shelton, who, who is actually pretty good in the grappling department. Do you feel like Schnell could and should try to take Jordan Espinosa down? I don't think he will. I think he plays out of the field. I mean, you go back to his last fight, uh, I, by far was, I think, no question the best Matt Schnell we have ever seen uh, against Luis Smoka. I, I counted him out in that fight. I, I just didn't think he would get it done. Um, I think it plays out on the feet to start, but if he does sense that he can get the fight to the ground, you know, look for him to try to get there, use his jiu-jitsu. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I would tell you that you, you got to like Matt Schnell, um, you, you ride hot gyms, and he's at a hot gym right now that, that continues to, to see like they're, you know, at ATT that, you know, every time they step in there, they're getting a win. Um, you know, I, I just think he uses those strikes to potentially get the fight to the ground and, and look for either, you know, ground and pound or submission. Yeah, and I think you're you're right about that too, is that like I, I think he keeps it on the feet to start and if he sees the opening, but like this is a situation I think with Matt Schnell where he sees that his bigger advantage is on the feet. Like he might know that his grappling is better than his striking, but I think the difference in their striking 
favors Matt Schnell here, whereas, like, the difference in their grappling is sort of close enough that Espinoza could, like, surprise him. Plus, he's, like, he's really freaking physically strong, uh, Jordan Espinoza is. Uh, and, and I have a tough time thinking Matt Schnell's gonna rip him down to the ground. So, I, I think you're right. Like, I think that last Matt Schnell that we saw when he went up to Bantamweight was a completely different animal. Do you have any worry that that is only because he went up to Bantamweight? No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any fear of that. I, I just think that you know Chanel continues to just develop as a fighter, and I mean, you know, you mentioned. I mean, his last two wins are, are quality wins there, and, and I think for a lot of these fighters that are in Matt Chanel's, uh particular situation where they understand of okay we really don't know what is the long-term future of 125 pounds in the ufc so and what i hear a lot from you know coaches and managers who are have fighters that are you know in that same type of body frame that matt schnell's in they're saying look be ready to take a 125 pound fight but also you might want to start bulking up because you're eventually probably gonna have to go to 35 Absolutely. And, and he even said that he's surprised he got back to 25. But uh, we have gotten to the end of talking about this one. Uh, it seems like we're both on the, the Matt Schnell bandwagon here. I, I'm going to go with him by decision just because I don't see him submitting him. And his the power in his hands is just quite not enough for me to, to take him by TKO here. So I'm going to take Matt Schnell by decision. Yeah, I agree with that pick as well. I just think that Jordan Espinosa just will uh, – it'll be a nice little back-and-forth fight. But I think it'll be uh, you know probably a 29-28 win for, for Matt Schnell. All right, and now let's take it on to the flyweight division for the women, and that's Lauren Murphy versus Mara Romero Barella. Uh, Murphy, one and one at flyweight. She beat Barb Hornchak in her debut at flyweight in the UFC. She lost to Sajara Eubanks in her second fight. Barella is two and one in the UFC. She finished Kalindra Faria, lost to Caitlin Chokagian, and then beat Talia Santos. So what I've noticed about Lauren Murphy is she seems to do fine when she's leading the dance. When she gets to pick who strikes first and when they strike first, does Borella let her do that? Uh, probably. I mean, the thing about, the thing about, this is my thing about Lauren Murphy. And maybe just I was just wrong in this situation. I just I guess I put kind of the the ceiling for her at 125 pounds so much higher than than what she's been able to perform in. You know, I was I was looking at her record earlier today. It was kind of crazy the fact of she started seven and zero, and now I mean obviously things haven't gone well for her, uh, you know in the UFC. And, and as we talked about a little earlier, when you kind of look at these. You know who may be the A side, B side. I I do feel like Lauren Murphy's the B side of this fight, and, and that when you look at, at Maria, I mean, you know, her only loss in the UFCs against uh against Caitlin, who obviously you know she's one of the best in that division. Um, you know, I I think if you're if you're Mara, keep it on the feet. I don't get into a grappling match. That's where I think that it where where Lauren Murphy can kind of make it. Uh, a gritty, grindy type fight. I think that's the type of fight you don't want to get into against her. Yeah, and I, I think for, for her to, you know, making sure that she's first so that when this does go to the decision, because I, I'm pretty certain it's going to, the judges remember Barella's strikes first. So if, if I'm Barella here, I, I think just I make sure that I'm first, but also make sure that I'm not so close to her. I get out of range that I don't have to worry about, you know, like you said, turning it into a gritty fight, turning it into a slugfest because, you know, Murphy will fight that fight. She did against Eubanks in Utica. So um, I, I'm going to go with Barella here by decision because we're just about done with the second round. How about you? Uh, yeah, I go bro by, by decision as well. 
Well, we are certainly agreeing a lot on a lot of these fights, but we may not agree so much when we get to the third round. We got our last two fights, but first, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. So we talked about how easy it was on BSMMA.com to play with your friends, right? So it is the number one daily fantasy site for MMA, in my humble opinion. And one of the reasons why I really like it, too, is because they have these power-up bonuses. These power-up bonuses, a little extra way to add a, a little more dimension to how you pick winners, right? So maybe you think your, your fighter is going to win by a decision, but you think they're going to get a ton of takedowns and not a ton of striking. You can add the AC Slater bonus where you get three extra points for every takedown your fighter lands. Hey, maybe they go all Habib there and you completely win on that fighter alone. But it's proving that you know more. Check out all of their bonuses. It's a lot of fun. BSMMA.com. Now, back to round three. And we are back with round number three. Let's put another five minutes on the clock. All right, we're going to start this one by talking about one that is just a little bit easier to talk about, and that's Claudio Silva versus Cole Williams. Uh, Cole Williams stepping up for Ramazan Amiev, uh, who had to drop out due to visa issues. He's 11-1 making his UFC debut. He is 35 years old, though, uh, and his last fight at welterweight was in 2015, which doesn't make me feel all that safe about him. And then Claudio Silva, 4-0 in the UFC, quietly. Uh, he beat Leon Edwards, although that was all the way back in 2014. He's got wins over Nordine Tlaib, Danny Roberts. Uh, a number of injuries have kept him on the shelf. He had like a big gap there, but this is his third fight in 14 months. Is there anything you know about Williams that make you think that he's more than a sacrificial lamb here? Well, I mean, I think you bring up the fact of his age, and that is typically what we don't see the UFC do in these short-nosed type mm -hmm. opportunities where you turn to quite – I mean, look, if he was a heavyweight, 35 years old, we'd be like, oh, he's in his prime of his career still. At 185 pounds, you do feel like this is kind of a little bit of a set fight. But one of the things that, that stuck out to me in looking into him is outside of, you know, a, a couple of fights uh, back in, in 2014 and 2015, he has fought guys with good records. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you look at, uh, you know, back in, you know, 2011, you know, fighting Jason Pierce, who was 10 and 0, uh, Deeds, who was 16 and 9, you know, uh, James, who was 13 and 4. You know, he did, he did have a streak where, you know, obviously the, the opponent, didn't have the greatest of records, but, uh, you know, he, he has fought, you know, decent records in his past couple of fights. But, yeah, I agree with you. But the thing about this is Claudio Silva, um, and I remember that fight against Danny Roberts very clearly because I had him in DFS. And I was very much sweating it out in that third round because I thought he was going to get knocked out. Um, you know, look, he obviously he, he his goal is to want to get, get this fight on the ground. If you're Cole Williams, you look at that Danny Roberts fight and you just sit there and say, let's just not get into jujitsu competition here. Yeah. And I think it becomes a jujitsu competition. And I say it becomes a jujitsu competition within two minutes of that first round. And I don't think it survives the first round. I'm going Claudio Silva uh, by early rear naked choke. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of surprised that Claudio Silva's only uh, plus 210 right now. That's kind of surprising. 
Yeah, that, that, that's way too low. Now, we got our last fight here, which is a, a fight that sort of got thrown together at the last second, and that's Hannah Goldie versus Miranda Granger. Hannah Goldie, 5-0, and making her UFC debut, just beat Callie Robbins on the Contender Series, didn't get a contract, but then I guess she did get a contract right away. Miranda Granger, 6-0, and making her debut. She's the CFFC Strawweight Champion, going up to to flyweight to fight Hannah Goldie. She's got three straight submissions and has only been to the second round once. Now, here's the real question in this fight, though. Miranda Granger coming up a weight class against a very muscular, very strong Hannah Goldie. Can she handle the physicality of flyweight? Yeah, you know, one of the things, though, for your listeners who've never seen Hannah Goldie, think of Tisha Torres. That is the body frame that she has. 100%. Um, and this is probably when you when you're looking at what is the most interesting fight on the prelims, this may be the one that really sticks out to you. You know, something to note about the contender series uh, with Hannah Goldie. Part of those the contract the contender series is there's a 30 day window where the UFC basically can sign you at any point, and that's exactly what happened here. Uh, you know, when, when she had that fight against Kylie Robbins, I thought that was um, you know to me it was very clear. I, I thought that Hannah Goldie w- was going to win that fight. Um, you know, and, and the one of the things about her that you got to bring up is the fact of in you know in her pro debut she went out there and beat Julian Robertson who we just saw score a win um, you know at uh, at the UFC 240. This is a matchup that it, it's just it's two intriguing prospects. I'm kind of interested that the UFC put this fight together. Um, I think part of it it likely is they're trying they were trying to fill up a fight mm-hmm. card that um, outside looking in outside the main event doesn't have a lot of things that ultimately just jump out to you. Um, you know, I would probably say Hannah Goldie. I think that this has 15 minutes written all over it. And a- anyone who, who does, you know, place bets on, on fights. The one thing you'll know is pretty much just take the over in every women's fight. And <laughs> you're, you're going to, you're going to cash about close to 70% of the time. Yeah. And, and for Hannah Goldie here, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think the physicality with her is a little bit too much for Miranda Granger. The only way I think she can give away this fight is for some reason if she gets in on the clinch and thinks to herself, like, I need a takedown here, which I I don't think she's dumb enough to do. I don't think she's dumb enough to think I need to grapple the grappler. But if she is, Miranda Granger has got a hell of a strangle. I I think her guillotine is is probably going to be one of the better ones at strawweight. Although I think that's where she's headed. I think she's headed back to strawweight. And I think this is a situation where you see a prospect like Hannah Goldie get a big win. And then I think it it works out for Miranda Granger because I think she just goes down a division and winds up being pretty damn good down there, too. So I don't think this is a bad move for either of them. Both of them get into the UFC, and I'm going Goldie by decision. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. All right, and that's going to do it for all three rounds, all six fights. Make sure you tune in to UFC on ESPN5 live from Newark, New Jersey. Make sure you check out BSMMA.com for all your daily fantasy sports needs. Thank you to Jason Floyd from the MMA Report for stopping by, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime, man.